Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Happy Friday night, Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, uh, back from Big Ten media days. And uh, I think we've determined um, Indianapolis, it's not an easy place to get to in July, especially during thunderstorm season, but we're back. Uh, Steve Sipple and I, uh, we're going to give our thoughts from Big Ten media days and Husker Online headlines. But first and foremost, uh, we're going to need to headline number one. And this literally happened as we hit ground, Steve Sipple, on Friday, about 530 in the evening uh, Nebraska makes the announcement that tight end Bob Wager has resigned from his position. Um, now it's been confirmed now. Uh, we just confirmed it ourselves here as well that Wager picked up a DUI Wednesday night or Wednesday morning um, right outside the Haymarket area here by Pinnacle Bank Arena on Canopy Drive. Um, according to the Lincoln Police records, refused a uh, sobriety test, refused a field test. Um, and the report from Nebraska, the statement, um, acknowledged that he resigned and made a regretful mistake with a traffic violation. But Bob Wager, Steve Sipple, no longer Nebraska's tight end coach. Practice starts Monday. Yeah, it sounds like they can transition pretty seamlessly. I don't want to diminish the importance of this, but they have Coach Martin, uh, Josh Martin, who's highly thought of within the program, helped with the tight ends in a big way already. Um, so familiarity is no problem. Again, I don't want to. I don't want to diminish when you lose a full-time assistant two days before camp. Um, the fall camp begins. I mean, the players report Sunday, so this is, this is not. It's terrible timing. It's sort of interesting that I don't know. I mean, I don't know what wage what wager's background is, Sean. Um, I, I mean, is this is this is this his first one? His first DWI, second. I don't know. Nobody knows that right now. We've had Nebraska assistants survive this sort of thing. Keith Williams, during the Mike Riley era, um, wasn't fired. Um, I think that this jibes with the current head coach, Matt Rule's sort of stringent accountability. And when you're building a program, keeping a coach who errs like this right off, I don't know if that's sending a great message to anybody. So I, I think – this is very. This is very Matt Rule. Just to say, that's it. You're done. Yeah, they're, they're, we're not going to try to make this work. And you, know, you, you think about Matt Rule gave Bob Wager the opportunity of a lifetime. Yep. Said, hey, you're you know you got an opportunity to be yep. a Big Ten tight ends coach in a room that has Arik Gilbert, a former five star tight end, Thomas Fedoni, the number one tight end the year after that. Um, you, you've got some really good tight ends to work with. I mean, this, this was a job that it'd be pretty hard to mess up coaching tight ends at Nebraska right now with the talent that is currently in that room. Um, and it, I'll be honest, it never I, – I was really high. On, and you know this. When they fired this guy, I was, wow, this is kind of another Joey McGuire type mm -hmm. guy coming you, here. Yeah, you loved that. Um, I did. I mean, I was very positive. Like, this is a great idea, bringing a well-known Texas high school coach. But as things progress, it never really had a good feel. You just – it just didn't – 
you know, like it didn't feel comfortable. Like it didn't have a good feel either way. I mean, we, even when we were down in Texas at those camps, I saw him and you know, it just, I don't, I don't know. I, I what just, do you mean, Trump? You what know, mean? we eyeball, I mean, we talked to every single coach there, every single coach other than him. Like it was almost like he, I never got a chance to even really get to talk to the guy or none of us did. I mean, I, I just felt like how was recruiting going for him? Um, and you didn't hear a lot in recruiting. I mean, I know Fedoni or not Fedoni, but Carter Nelson committed, but it never felt like he came here for Nebraska. It was Satterfield. It was Ed Foley. It was Matt rule. Didn't come here for wager. W wager was not the guy wager, wager. Um, that recruited. I say, well, I, I said it wrong, but anyway, so you're 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 not really giving Wager credit for Carter Nelson. No, no, okay. no. I mean, did he ever put boots? Did he ever put boots on the ground in Ainsworth? Carter Nelson didn't talk no, about. He never did. He never I'm just telling. He, he, he didn't right. go out. I mean, Ed Foley would go out there. Right. Satterfield would go out there. Rule had been out there. Never talked about Wager. Nor did his dad. Nor nor did the head coach at Ainsworth. Um, so yeah, I, now. On a, from a humanity standpoint, this is rough. I mean, this is rough for, for Wager. He just got the uh, – Sean, I, I'd say it's a major opportunity for him. He's 52 years old. He got a major opportunity, a career opportunity at age 52. Now, this doesn't have to be the – what are you seeing over there? I'm just reading the report from uh, LPD here. I just, what, got, I just got it sent to me. What – this doesn't have to be the death knell to his career. Um. But it's, I mean, it's obviously a, a major setback. And then with that said, Josh Martin now will uh, step in as uh, the new tight ends coach. And he's got Division One experience. He was at SMU as a tight ends coach from 2018 to 2021. He was also a special teams coordinator. So they have a guy already yeah. in place. It yeah. was almost like they had an insurance policy. Like, yeah. hey, we're going to take a chance on this guy, but we have another guy that's really good. You know, from what I had heard, he had been heavily involved anyway. He had already right, kind of had. had yeah. I just said that a little bit ago. Yeah, absolutely. A big voice yeah. with this tight end group. And, man, what a critical – I mean, it's a critical position on this team. It is. You think about but what they're trying I, to do. It is a critical position, but it's not a – I mean, all due respect to tight end coaches all over America, it's not the hardest position to coach. It's often a spot where you'll see young younger guys come up. Um, so – I, hey, I don't again, I don't want to diminish this, but I also don't want to overblow it. They have a guy in place. I agree with you that that uh, Coach Wager wasn't lighting the world on fire. So I think I think I don't and you know, I heard some people saying, Sean, that this is good. It came out now instead of at Big Ten Media Days because it would have put a cloud on Big Ten Media Days for Nebraska. I don't know. I mean, this is the tight ends coach. This isn't a scandal of any sort. This is a DWI. The low by, man on the totem by pole. By a low man on a totem pole. No, would it have been a cloud over Big Ten media days? I'm going to say no. I, I, I'm going to say Matt Rule would have had to address it, but would it, would it have been a line of questioning? You know what would have been a cloud? What? If they would have not said anything, and this police report got out before they did anything. Yeah, that would then that would have been a cloud. Yeah, that could. So been yeah. they jumped it, and you you look at this record. Um, I mean, there's a lot on this. I mean, he refused the preliminary test, uh, possession, uh, open container in the vehicle. That's not good. Careless driving. Yeah, that's not good. And he was under the influence of .15 plus, um, and refused the test. So the open container. If you're the head coach, you're got. Hey, Sean, 
if you're the head coach, and this isn't me judging anybody, this is me saying you got to put yourself in position of Matt in, uh, in the position of Matt Rule. You have an open container. Yeah, you can't keep him. I mean, you just can't. I mean, it's not. I, I don't know. I kind of keep saying, especially a first year coach who's who's laying down what he his expectations for the program. Um, yeah, I think it would have been it would have been tough to keep him. Again, we've seen we've seen though a coach get kept here, and Williams had multiple DWIs. So it's just by an athletic director who, who was a, a lawyer, right. Sean Eichhorn, who right. was very careful. I mean, when you think about all that, Mike, right, that was really bizarre when you think back to it. But what was Keith Williams good at doing? He was a great coach, getting players to Nebraska. Good coach, great recruiter, and great coach. You know. Makes you, you know, although now hold on, great recruiter. Mm, I don't know. What, what do you leave the room? How do you leave the room for Frost? How do you leave the room, Sean? How many guys were on scholarship that were still around? Not many. Not many. Yeah. He was good at getting at least people captivated, but he wasn't good at closing. But I want to bring this point up too. What are your thoughts? I mean, you think about this tight end coach job. They had a pretty darn good, and I get it. Matt Rule's new, wanted to bring his own guys in. But Sean Beckton, you just think about him. Yeah. I mean, this Glad is a, you brought that up. This this is a guy that is about as professional as it gets, and he's responsible for bringing some of the best players on this roster. Quentin Newsome, Miles Farmer. Mm -hmm. um, you go down the line; a lot of the drafted players were his recruits. Yeah. Now, Sean, it, total second guess. I mean, we're just completely second guess. Was he ever? What, like, was he ever even? I mean, my guess is he wasn't considered because Matt Rule wanted to go in a new direction. Right. I mean, that's why you bring in like a, a divorce check over, over keeping a Barrett Rude. Right. Because you'd rather have your own version of right. Barrett Rude. Right. And that's Dvorak who played for Rule. Right. Um, but yeah, but man, Becton's experience versus Wager's experience. I mean, come on. He groomed a first team who? All Big Ten tight end. Right. Austin I, Allen. Again, though. You know how it is. Head coaches come in and they want their own guys, and Becton got caught right. up in that. And, and I again, we're all we're doing is second guessing, which isn't a great look. But I get what you're saying, Becton. We both, I mean, both of us happen to have profound respect for Becton, and he did a great job here. And he would have fit. I think he would fit with this staff. I think he'd fit with Matt Rule. He'd fit you remember with Becton. He was a very no nonsense guy. He would come up to those press conferences and sometimes say things that would kind of take me aback. Like, man. He always he just, struck me as a head coach. Yeah, he kind of he would lay it on the line in a good way. He was very forthright. Yeah. Well, again, I think they come out of this fine because of the the setup. I guess like you give Rule credit for that for having a guy like Josh Martin ready right to roll. Him. Yeah, ready to roll. I don't think it will cause a problem at all, especially based on what I've heard about Wager and the room. It wasn't it wasn't that great. Well, and Marcus Satterfield has coached tight ends before. Matt yeah. Rule has, I mean, that's the one thing about Satterfield's coach tight Rule's right. coaching model. Mm -hmm. I mean, Satterfield's coach offensive line. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, oh, yeah. No, the, what you're saying about Rule's coaching models, he likes coaches that have moved around a lot, that have coached different positions. When I say moved around, Sean, I don't mean job to job. I mean position to position. And Rule has, hey, look at Matt, look at Matt Rule's resume. He's went position to position, both sides of the ball. So, yeah, doesn't have to be. A horrible thing again horrible thing for for the coach coach wager and his son gage wager is set to be a walk-on in the program it's a really rough deal but you know i mean did what he did i mean this and, and i don't and i believe that 
and I don't mind saying this, I don't think Rule really had a choice here. You could say, Sean, no, he had a choice. He could have kept him. Uh, not with the messages that Rule sends out about well, accountability. Well, I mean, you only get so many times you can use that card. Right. And is this the one time you want to use it in this situation? So. I mean, no. you might get a situation like Tom Osborne, Lawrence Phillips. He got a, he put his a player. That was a player. But, you know, he it's put a his 52 year old man. I'm just saying, like, as a coach, you mm -hmm. have an opportunity to, like, Keith Williams, they chose to, like, back him in that situation. Mm -hmm. Back to Bexton, though, somebody brought up a good point. Nebraska's technically still paying him right now until December. <laughs> <laughs> So it's interesting, isn't it? Trev could be like, hey, Sean, we need you to come back and earn this money. I think they got their guy. No, yeah, you're right. No, Josh Martin, highly respected guy. Um, you know, and I, I think the other staff members, particularly Satterfield, are gonna have a big voice in rule. Rule rule will probably help that room out this first week. And I like the fact they're gonna be living together in these dorms. Now, some people, Sean, are gonna say, Why didn't you guys ever address these Wager concerns that you had publicly? Well, because how do you do it? There wasn't much, right? It, yeah, there wasn't much to say. And we, and quite honestly, we just heard some stuff this week. This, I mean, just, yeah, actually, before this even happened, right? But it was this week. We heard multi, a couple of things that got our attention. But right. in the job that we have, I don't think people quite understand. You and I, we get dozens of things that get your attention. Doesn't mean we can go on the air and tell you guys, right? Rumors. I mean. If we did, it'd be fun for that episode, but then we'd all lose our jobs or our <laughs> or sources. Or Yeah, people get tired of us being rumor or credit, Or you lose your credibility. Right, they, they get tired of you being a rumor monger, but yeah, I don't mind saying now. We had heard some things that were sort of concerning, and this is it. I mean, it, the, the, it's, a, it's a rough deal for Bob Wager. I do not think it has to be a rough deal for the program. I mean, we're, we're talking about a $280,000 a year tight end coach, which is one of the lowest paid position coaches in the entire Big Ten Conference. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you were to take the 140 full-time position coaches, Garrett McGuire and Bob Wager at 280000 or whatever that they're at, two fifty or whatever that, that number. I mean, it's one of the lowest numbers of any coach in this conference. So, yeah, this is not a coordinator. Or, oh, no. That would be a heavy blow. It's a very pluggable spot. Heavy blow would be a coordinator. Okay. Um, headline number two, and we, we kind of had to rework the show uh, back from Big Ten Media Days. Uh, so we wanted to focus on that, obviously, with this show. But Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us headline number two once feared nebraska now seeking respect steve sipple that was matt rule's message at the main podium to reporters that that that's it that nebraska wants to get to a point now according to rule where opponents have more respect for them for it um the players themselves respect playing for Nebraska more. Um, just the, just a general respect. There, Sean, you're old enough, and certainly I'm old enough to remember when when Nebraska was feared. Now that's it's getting to be a long time ago. I would say 
I would say they were last feared in 2001. I mean, I would say there were moments during the 09 and 10. I mean, they were a top five team in nah, 2010. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. I mean, they were, they were, but I don't think they were real feared. I mean, they were good, but they were in the top five. I know, but they weren't feared. Not like, not like they were under Osborne. No way. No way. Like, I'm not giving where you that one. where you'd say like they're like Alabama or right. Georgia coming right. into like Bo never had them like that. Bo never had them like that. Well, just think about this: like when Nebraska plays Ohio State. And you go down that field for pregame warmups. That's it. And you you would be That's down it. there, and you're just seeing grown men. That's it. And they're like, rrr, rrr, rrr. And, and I mean, and, and That's it, it. I mean, you look over at these guys, and you're like, God, Nebraska's got to play. Oh, these there guys. was some. Hey, I this is I don't. We're gonna get this show. We got to get it upbeat here pretty quick. But there was some sobering reality to what we hear, heard from Rule and from the players. There was some pretty sobering reality. Um, that that itself, I love it. I love what Matt Rule said. I think that's exactly right. You got to get respect. Nebraska's got to get back well, to being respected. What, what? Go ahead. Just think about the media when we're doing the interviews. How many big time people or other groups of media were around Rule? Don't see the, the Penn State people had a few people there because Matt Rule played at Penn State, mm -hmm. but it wasn't like there was a huge collection nope. of other teams' media. Nope. Their focus was Luke Fickle. Their focus was Jim Harbaugh. Their right. focus was Fleck. Fleck. DJ um, Fleck, yeah. So as far as like coaches that you wanted to spend your time on, he was probably fourth down the line. Yeah, I agree. So, and not only that, then you heard, you know, you heard Piper say Ethan Piper was there. In fact, Sean, Ethan Piper, the only offensive lineman there yesterday of all the teams that were there, the 17. That's a good observation. Yeah, one offensive lineman. Um, Ethan Piper was the only one. Now, Piper is very man, Piper is great at the mic. He's very forthright. He's I can see why they bring him there. But he said, you know, like that that bit that he was saying about, you know, I want to turn on the film and and I want to see us playing hard every play. This kind of makes you cringe. Like, wait, wait a second. That's that wasn't happening. That wasn't happening. I mean, this is a program that has a ways to go. And it's and that's what I mean by some sobering reality. It's a program that has a way to go. You heard what Ryan, you wrote for tomorrow. It'll be in the Saturday morning. It'll be on the website Saturday morning what, what Reimer said. It was kind of rough, right? Um, tell, say, tell, tell people what Reimer told, said, well, said just at the podium. That they had to get everybody bought in. And, and a lot of guys did. And ruled us. Some said, guys did. We're doing things my way because this, this is how, we're a new staff and we're going to do it that way. And if you don't like it, you know, you can move on. And, and he goes, it was basically a weeding out process. And he didn't get into specifics, but we understand the attrition and some of the movement that's I mean, I look at Ernest Hausman. He didn't want to be a part of this. And he, he moved on, you know, and, and he went to better. He went to Michigan. You can't really fault what happened and how it played out. I really know. Um, you know, Garrett Nelson, I, I, I look at it now, like, would he have been smarter to come back a year? He didn't get drafted. All right. I mean, now he's going to have to be an undrafted free agent right. to make, hopefully, a practice squad right. or a roster, but it's going to be tough. Yeah. Um, but what would one year in a 3-3-5 would have done? I mean, I, I, I think about some of those things sure, and the, some of those decisions players had to make, and then there were other guys that just moved on uh -huh. for different reasons. On the bright side, as we know, Rule is incredible at the, at the mic, at, at the podium, at wherever. Oh, no doubt. And it was just... I mean, 
it wasn't, and I saw, I saw somebody on the, our message board, a Husker online message board say this, it must be nice, refreshing, not to be in like, always be talking to a coach who's kind of combative. Frost, Frost wasn't all, Scott Frost wasn't always combative. Uh, Boke Pelini wasn't always combat. If Frost, as you remember, I, I mean, I walked away, Sean, I, I, I'll just tell you this. I walked away from last year's Big Ten Media Day saying Frost did a great job. Frost did a great job at the podium on that side session, which is, was it, 45 minutes? He did a great job, Frost did last year. But Rule is takes it to another level. And we heard a lot of critical things. I mean, the way he talked about the run game. How, how you know you noted in tunnel talk that he doesn't want the quarterback to be a three yard four yard run guy. He wants that to be explosive. He doesn't look. You know what? He says stuff that I just like. It just jives with the way I think a lot. He doesn't even count the quarterback run game as running as a rushing yard barometer. That's kind of an NFL mentality. It's kind of a simple mentality. I don't. I never. I, when I say run, when I say conventional run game. I'm not talking about the quarterback just getting loose on a broken play. That's not that's not what I consider rushing yards. Well, in the college game, it's I, I don't know why they do this, but they they count like sack yardage lost as part of the run game, yeah. which never has made sense. Where in the yeah. NFL, it's completely different. I mean, what you really want to see is what are your tailback runs and your true run plays getting you. And, and then the answer, I get what you're saying. The answer that Rule gave to the question of why do you like recruiting? He went on quite a quite a uh, role about that, and it was beautiful. He looked at he looks at recruiting as a form of competition, which it is, but I, you don't hear coaches put it that way very often. That this is just another way to compete, recruit. You hear a lot of coaches. I hear a lot of coaches grouse about it privately. I don't get the sense that he wants anybody grousing about it publicly or privately. He loves the evaluation process. He loves seeing, he said he loves seeing evaluating a 14, 15 year old and, and projecting what he's going to look like when he's 22. He doesn't care, he said, what others are doing. You, you've, you've seen that, Sean, at these camps. He goes, if I can't coach 4 4 and 10 5 broad and 38 inch vertical guys that can play football, I shouldn't be the coach. He said, I can't coach. If I can't do, if I can't coach that, I can't coach. So, he really lays it on the line. I mean, the thing about rule is he really lays it on the line. Like it's, it's pretty hardcore sometimes in a good way though. He would be, if you're not all in and you're not a worker, he'd be hard to deal with. Well, just think about June. And, I think, I think about it. And <laughs> I mean, we got a taste of June. We sure did. And we're right. You saw it, Sean, you saw it when you went Belton in Houston. That was not easy. Those guys were coaching and belting. Then they had to get to Houston. two sessions, two sessions all day, all day. And then they had to get to Houston and do a like a social, so a social where, you know, 50 coaches plus were on hand and go into the night with that. And then then do a camp the next day in Houston. I mean, those coaches and I'm going to tell you something. Well, you heard you heard. I mean, you were taught. We were both talking to rule. He was tired. I mean, there's no doubt he was tired and he joked. He joked yesterday, but it was kind of one of those things where he was joking, but there's probably an element of truth to it. He said, he goes, I, he goes, I, I about lost a couple coaches in June. I thought they were going to quit in June. You know, it was one of those things that was like, okay, he's joking, but I wonder how much he's joking. Well, because his coaches in June have to be a part of everything. 
They have to be a part of the camps and all elements. Then they have to be a part of the official visit weekends and all elements where that's not the model in June at a lot of other places. Right. A lot of places will sign GAs to a certain And then the, the position coaches kind of make a lap. Right. And, right. And he said what he hopes is that parents see what his coaches are doing and what he's doing and say, look, if they're, if they're devoting this much energy to camps and to this evaluation process, think of the energy they'll devote to my son's mental health, physical health, development. Um, I mean, and also another thing about Rule, he's very consistent in his messages. And he has said, going back to when he was hired, what did he say about camps? Remember, he said, those camps have to be well-run, well-structured. This is us putting our foot forward. And they have to be good. They have to, and and you know what you saw? You saw them. They were they were well run. Three thousand kids went through, and he wants four thousand. Yeah, he said he'd like to see four thousand to five thousand next year. All right. With Kizik hands free shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion with over two hundred patents and easy on, easy off technology. You'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Uh, headline number three, quarterback Jeff Sims, comfortable wow. in his role as a leader. Uh, Steve Sipple, you spent a lot of time around Jeff Sims mm-hmm. in Indianapolis uh, representing Nebraska. I thought Coach Rule had a really interesting take like, look, Besides me, I know the guy everyone else is going to want to talk to every week is Jeff Sims. So that's why I brought him. He earned this opportunity. Uh, but I also understand, like, he's a big part of the story for this football team. Sims was great. I mean, and I wondered how that would go because, you know, you're in a – he's at a – he's at a podium and there's 30, 40, you know, maybe 30 people firing questions. He handled it perfectly. He did. He did come off as a strong leader. I thought there was some very interesting moments, like like what drives him. You know what he said, Sean? There's family. You know what he said? He said, "My dad, the hard, they're hard workers." He said, I, "He said I come from a family of hard workers. My dad started a lawn company, and it's a thriving lawn company. Um, that's what his, his dad. And does. you can't take any days off mowing. I mean, in a, right. in a lawn company, I mean, right? You, I mean, the grass doesn't stop growing when you go on vacation. I thought, I thought that was, I thought that was excellent. He's 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 he you know he's a serious obviously serious but he's not he doesn't overdo it he's he's eloquent um, he takes that leadership oh yeah it was fascinating listen to him talk about how he had to learn names and how diligent he was Sean about learning everybody's name and I said well why is that important well there's it's sort of obvious but he said how can I lead a guy if I how can I go up to a guy Sean how can I go up to a guy and ask him to do something, and I don't know his name. I mean, it's common sense, but he you know what he did? They on their lockers, there's names, but there's also a photo. There's a there's a name and a photo at their lockers. And he said, I had to go, there's there's times I had to go just study, study the names. Cause at first he said, I knew last names. Um but I had to learn first names and I had, and I had to, I had to get it down. Think how hard that would be though. Coming in. Not easy. Not easy. To He's got to lead a new building. And then you're expected to kind of run the show. And you know what else he said? It was fascinating. That goes along with that. And I'm going to write about this for Sunday that goes along with the huddle. 
he said in the huddle, I got to know guys' names. I mean, I, I, and they're going to huddle a lot. Well, they're going to huddle. They're going to huddle, I think, every play. I mean, they're, they're huddling. And he said, I like it. I like it because it's leadership. He goes, I get to look guys in the eye and say, hey, we're going to get this done. We got to get this done now. Um, and there's a lot of that that goes on. And it, it, um, that, that stuff was impressive to me. I'd be curious to get some off-the-record takes from guys of just his approach as a new transfer quarterback compared to, say, Casey Thompson a year ago. Yeah, I wouldn't – you know, I wouldn't think it'd be that much different. Casey was a good leader. No, I, I just – did Casey know all the names? Did he study oh, good like, I bet he that did. kind of detail? I like, bet he did, I mean, I'd just be curious. Oh, Sean, come on. Come on. No, Casey, he, I mean, you know Casey. I bet he knew names. He was – I mean, Casey is pretty detail-oriented. Yeah, too. he is. I mean, I remember the first time I interviewed him, He, we talked just to like prepare for the interview. Oh, Casey, I guarantee you he learned names. I, that would shock me. But anyway, yeah, he was, oh yeah. The other thing he talked about, he, you know, he was asked about who, which receivers he kind of favors and kind of hesitated. He didn't want to go there, you know, like most wouldn't, but then he did acknowledge Kemp um, that they came in together and hey, Sean, just like you've said a lot, they're going to Billy Kemp. A Billy lot. Kemp's the guy. Yeah. I mean, he, he's a proven number one level target that's going to get you 50, 60 catches yeah, probably. I think you're right. And then the other thing he said that really opened my eyes, or I it was, I think it struck a lot of people, was he was asked who the fastest receivers were, and he said Xavier Betts and Malachi Coleman. Now that's, you know, Xavier goes probably 6'3 and 210, and Malachi's probably 6'6". Six, six, no, he's six, Malachi's 6'4 six, six, and a half. 6'4 and a half. Probably almost six five, well, yeah. probably close to two hundred. He's over two. I think he's uh, he's okay. yeah he's probably close to two now. He's, he's looking pretty good. Those are two Nebraska kids. He said Xavier Betts, Jeff Sims said Xavier Betts is making plays that would make your jaw drop. Don't you remember? I mean, think about that Northwestern like flip pass option play he got. Yeah. He went eighty five yards on a defense that's geared to stop. Like doesn't Northwestern's defense under Pat Fitzgerald was not really a. It was built to not allow big plays. Didn't like he go Penn, do that against Penn State? Uh, it was like 40-some. Okay. but Or 50-some. But that, that was the longest. Those Okay, when Xavier Betts has played football for Nebraska in 2020 and 2021, he's delivered the two longest plays, arguably, of both those seasons. Yeah, I repeat. Sim said he's made some catches that are jaw-dropping. So that's a good sign. Um, uh, there's a lot. He said he clicked with Satterfield and Satterfield's offense instantly. He likes, oh, yeah, he said something I loved about Rule, Jeff Sims. He said what he likes about Rule is that he comes off right away as being all business. And he's, Rule, as you've seen, Rule, to me, what he does really well is shifts from topic to topic and situation to situation and adapts quickly. It doesn't take long to, to get going. Like, he just goes, choom, 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 next topic. Next situation, ready to go, and Sims appreciated appreciates that about him. It was as you can tell, Sean. It was a very, and we're going to be writing stuff. It was a very productive day. I mean, it really was. Inter it was to me. It was, it was fascinating. All right, let's go. Headline number four um, coming out of Media Days: the Go Big Project. Yeah, and then also the future of Memorial Stadium. But let's first start on the Go Big Project, which is the Nebraska locker room, the new training table, a new weight room. Mm -hmm. You uh, asked about this. That facility is coming along, and um, you know they have a good live camera view of it. You can follow, and, and they're getting things done 
um, every day. But the, the main the main focus, and, and this is the live look right there, that's a, a piece of the practice turf. <clears throat> I've seen now a, what the uh, new grass fields look like. They look beautiful. So those things are ready to go. Uh, the locker room, though, not quite ready, but it sounds like they could be in there, according to Trev Alberts and Matt Rule, some point in August. So that's positive news. Now, Trev Alberts would not say the weight room. He did not want right. to put – I would think the weight room would be a lot – I mean, are, are they getting new equipment? I would imagine. Like, Yeah, that's you not ready. You don't build a brand-new house and move the old furniture in, right? <laughs> Maybe not. you do, but I don't. <laughs> I, I – I move other yeah, whatever. We don't want to get into that. But anyway, <laughs> the, you know, hey Sean, Sean, yeah, the weight room not ready. Um, the coaches won't offices. be over this. Yeah, coaches' offices won't be in the training table and the ready. dining area and the other elements of this building. December, um, if they're lucky, I yeah. think. And Trev Alberts said they're moving into three hundred and fifteen thousand square feet. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, what is the size of like a Walmart? <laughs> I mean, is it the size? I mean, like this kind of put into perspective like the amount of space they're moving into i mean it's really remarkable just to think how big this is and then the other challenge now moving forward is backfilling the space they move out of because you're going to have the north stadium weight room the north stadium coaches offices and player meeting areas Mm -hmm. then you're going to have the entire west stadium which is currently the academic center and the dining hall all of that, in my opinion, has major value for the stadium. Like they can use that as entertainment space or something. Um, Ronnie Green, way back when in 2019, told me that was the plan. Um, entertainment space. So they could they, they they could use like where the students currently eat, repurpose that into an area on game days for entertaining, like like oh, a entertainment. like a sports bar and oh, a okay. restaurant, like a, oh, okay. a place for the high rollers. You know, like they have the Champions Club right now. Yeah. You could have that inside there. That makes I mean, sense. You could do a lot more with that space um, on game days. And they don't actually, Ronnie Green told me this back then, they don't have like a full kitchen on in the stadium. They would now have like, they would, this would give them like a kitchen space to use on game days and for events. And Trev Alberts talked about the stadium project too. And October 5th, ah, huge day, Board of Regents meeting where they're going to go over the plans for the stadium. Yeah, Trev is going to prevent present present. present. Yeah, he's going to present a vision. That I imagine that would be Trev presenting with the, the with athletic department vision on and then pres- or memorial stadium to, to Ted Carter and the Regents, I believe both. Yes, yes. Definitely, it's a Regents meeting. And um the proposal um last year was between 3 and 500 million dollars that that's the scope of the project they're looking at right now it's big so uh, yes so remember october 5th is a critical day that's when yeah i imagine it would be trev that would go he'll go before the regents and ted carter with the with their vision for memorial stadium's future which is that's gigantic you've written i read it today that uh, much of this will be south stadium oriented I think you're going to see. I, I think there's a demand for more premium seats, um, and yeah, I, I think you can put more suites there, more club seats. Make it cool to be in the South. Like, make it new, make it nice, mm-hmm. and then all the money you're going to get for those seats, the the suites and the club seats. I mean, that, that's big. That's revenue you weren't getting before. I mean, right now in Nebraska, I believe they have 102, 101 suites. Might be a little like maybe 104 now, uh, but at the time, I know when I wrote my book a while back. They had the most suites already in the Big Ten Conference. When did you write that first book 2013. Um, so they had more suites 
in 2013 than Michigan and Ohio State did. And really only Alabama had more than they did. Um, but everyone's sweet stuff is different because there's sweets that hold 20, there's sweets that's, that hold eight or six. So like that that's a little misleading. Um, but a sweet goes for anywhere between a hundred to hundred and fifty thousand per year. Yeah. Well, you got to start writing some novels, Hemingway. And and you you can, I mean, <laughs> sorry. So if you can figure out a way to put eight more suites in the South, all yeah. of a sudden that's a million more dollars per year. So yeah, much of it will be South Stadium oriented, not all of it. Interestingly, Trev Alberts said the catalyst to a lot of this this change in the stadium is the go big facility itself. That that's causing, you know, it's it kind of leads into the topic. It leads into much of the A to B to C. It just kind of care, yeah. Like as each thing happens, you yeah. can kind of do everything else. And yeah, um, you know, the new training table is going to be phenomenal when that's done. Mm -hmm. And what a critical time! I mean, this is Trev. This is a big leadership time for Trev. Megan was showed that the training facility right next to the stadium, and it's beautiful. God, I mean that fo that po that photo she just flashed a little bit ago. That place is gorgeous. That is a gorgeous, like I'm all I'm all about for restaurants and businesses presentation curb appeal. I'm all about it. Like Freddie's restaurant is incredible. Freddie's does it as good as anybody. As far as far as as far as um, fast food, places. and they make real burgers there. They're not like just. The, but look at Freddie's presentation. Oh, it looks great. Yeah, it's beautiful. Now the presentation <laughs> of of this facility is gorgeous it is gorgeous curb appeal i i really laud them for that that's important and, and, and they did they got it they well and it. i do think it's important that you have a guy in trev alberts that truly understands nebraska fans mm -hmm. memorial stadium and so he, you know it's not just some outside guy they like I, I don't know if i'd feel great about sean eichhorst running this type of deal <laughs> easy easy no there. i don't say easy 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 um, but like I, at least you know Trev Alberts has a better feel Easy. for the fan base and the people. Oh, Nebraska. absolutely, like, and he's a visionary. Like, like I mean, set. this is an, a real opportunity for him, and I think a real strength for him. And um, here's what it is, Sean. Here's what it is. Trev appreciates the magnitude and the importance of this place. And by the way, so does Rule. And I wouldn't say that about every coach that's come down the line to Pike here. That, that's I wouldn't say that about every AD that's come down the pike here. But Trev, I'm not saying he's the perfect human being. I don't even know if he's the perfect person for the job. But he does respect the magnitude of his position. And he understands how important this stuff is for the for the present and the, the, both the present and the future. And that, that makes me feel confident. All right. Uh, final headline. Headline number five. Um, just some final thoughts out of Big Ten Media Days. We've kind of already hit on this, Steve, but – um, just Matt Rule wowed at Media Days as yeah. expected. I know that was something you wanted to hit on. Was there anything more on that? Well, yeah. I mean, you got well, there's some news. I mean, Eric Gill. Oh yeah, I was going to get to that next, but okay. I, I wanted to start with Matt Rule. Was there anything more about Rule's appearance that we didn't cover? Oh, a little bit. I mean, just like how comfortable he is away from the mic with the media now. Already, he's already kind of familiarized himself with with the with the guys and and the women. Um, that cover the team it's it's really interesting he loves people he says and he, he he says that and it's pretty evident that he means it he does he's a he's definitely a god i mean he is a people person he's much different than some of the coaches we've had here you know he's 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 the 
in many ways, the polar opposite of Frost. Um, he feels very comfortable around people and doesn't mind people asking him question, personal questions. Um, so it's not combative. Think about this too. Like he made this comment. I told my guys, we're going to be the first people in this arena. And so they got there whenever they got there. Oh yeah. In Indy, in Indy. eight, nine, eight. I mean, it didn't start till 11 mm -hmm. and they were there at least two hours before it started. And what he did. And I, I like this because I understand you're a radio host. I've done, I've been around radio row on radio row at media days before too. Those are always the guys that kind of get the, the raw end of the deal because for their shows to work, they need to get the one-on-ones and the sit downs. And it's hard as a radio station because mm -hmm. once the actual media days events start, the coach is not going to have that kind of time to go and sit down on radio row. Right. Um, Matt rule went in early with Jeff Sims and Trev Alberts and other, the players, and they made a lap around the entire radio row and mm -hmm. Matt, and they said, Matt ruled everybody. Like you have this guy, you have him for seven, eight minutes. Yeah, he's very engaging. Which he's not only does it, he he does it with enthusiasm. And, and fan, you know, you know, we're all we're doing now is. And he took. Out. I mean, he was taking pictures of some of those guys. I mean, he, you know, like your our buddy Connor Happer yeah. did a little point. Little, I don't. What is? I, I'm not the cool enough to understand him. when you point at someone and do like they point. Just at you. look at him, not me. Look at him. Look at him. Um, this is about him, not me. And so you, you see, like those kind of photos were, and he was having Happer. fun. Yeah, I mean, we're kind of staying the opposite. I think people have picked up now that rule is very people oriented. Now he hasn't coached a game. We always got to, we always got to come with that caveat and he hasn't lost a game big. So we'll see how it all goes. Like he sat down with Carney radio for a set. I mean, like, it's not like he's just doing like the big, big ones. Like he's no. doing them all. Like, no, and, and he's, he's very good about, like you said, Sean, he wanted to be there first. He wants Nebraska to put its best foot forward in these situations. And it means something to him. And, and that's, I think that's really important. Okay, some other news to get over. Uh, Marquise Buford out slash limited. We don't, safety. Safety. Uh, Hurt his knee against Michigan. We, we didn't know. Hey, Sean, let's not act like we knew this. I mean, I didn't know that he wasn't going to play. Well, I think Cooper said like in June that there are no rush to bring him back. No, but he didn't say he wasn't going to play. Um, so that was interesting to me. And that's it. Now, this is a critical player. I mean, this was a, he's, he's their a, most talented guy probably on the back end. Yeah, he's, he's talented, but he's also tough and he's smart. Think about the plays in Ireland he made. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This is a good player. This is not a small item there. Now they, they, they are, they happen to be blessed with depth at safety. That helps. But I think this was a starter. I mean, Oh, no question. Yeah. Yeah. So, and he's versatile. I mean, this is a guy you could move to corner legitimately if you had if you wanted to. You can move him around back there. All right, tight end Arik Gilbert. Um, no word on that waiver for Gilbert, and Rule does not seem too worried. And said, in fact, he goes he should be getting this waiver. I mean, he, he'd be pretty almost disappointed. It felt like if the NCAA didn't rule in his favor. Uh, with that said, this is a legit NFL prospect. I've been told that there will be pro scouts that will come to to Nebraska's fall camp and. Gilbert is on their list of guys to watch. Yeah, you said something to me in the airport that really stopped me in my tracks. He's the most highly recruited tight end. Ranked. In the, I'm sorry. Yeah, that most. I'm sorry. Most highly ranked tight end recruit since recruiting rankings began in the two like 2000. Yeah, so in 24 years or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, the most highly ranked tight end prospect in the rankings era. And he remember and remember too after his. He did play as a freshman at LSU, Sean, and caught 35 passes 
for 368 yards and was a preseason All-American in 2022. Now it didn't, he didn't, it didn't pan out, but you hear what, what these coaches say about him. And, you know, I work alongside Bill Bush every day on my radio show and Bush gushes. Well, he coached him at LSU. Coached him on special teams. And he said he made things look incredibly easy on special teams. He's just a football player. So, so why bring this up, Sean? It's because we talk about him all the time. Well, this is why we talk about him because he, I mean, he's a potential difference. Maker. He's a legitimate five-star talent. Yeah, he is. And he, he's had other things that have held him back the right. last two seasons, yeah. but when on the field playing football, he's as talented of a tight end as we've ever seen here. As far as Could his, be, yeah. as far as his toolbox, his toolbox. Yeah. Like I'm not saying, but his. He was a freshman All-American. He he was a preseason All-American. Yeah. After, see, we're not talking about somebody who hasn't done it. He 35 catches for 368 yards as a true freshman at LSU in the shortened 2020 season. Yeah, he was he was a he was a playmaker. And so, yeah. So, and, and the other part of this is, man, if you have Gilbert and you have Fedoni and Borkercher, you have a very strong position. I'm saying very strong, and they're going to use them. That's another thing that Sims talked about. They're super excited about the tight end position, and they're going to use them. They're going to use them in the red zone. I think Fedoni. I, I think I just I think Fedoni's going to have a big year. I I really I don't mind saying that on the air. I, well, why he not? should. He why should. Not? Why not? I know people are going to say, "Okay, here we go." Sip putting hype on it, and I don't know why. I mean, he's a four star, five star guy at a at a. High school. He's very talented. He's got a great attitude. I mean, Jim Harbaugh came to watch him play a high school basketball game. Georgia was there. I mean, yeah. everybody wanted this guy. He's got a ton. He's got a ton of want to. He's got a ton of talent. He's got to throw the ball to him. Nebraska had nothing to do with why he hasn't played yet. Right. I mean, he had some bad, bad injury injuries. luck and nothing to do with coaching or anything in Nebraska. It was bad luck. And, and now, you know what they did too? That I give him credit. Nebraska, they they didn't rush him back. I mean, they they let him. They let and he him, was trying to come back. Yeah, they 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 let him. They they allowed him to get back fully. I don't think there's anything stopping him. All right, not a surprise. Teddy Prohaska, good to go. That's good big go. for the left tackle. And then two roster notes: um, Seth Malcolm and Chase Androff, a linebacker and a tight end, uh, no longer on the 85 scholarship chart for Nebraska. Uh, they are off the roster. Um, these were two guys, I believe, that might have taken that early retirement package. Um, you know, they, they they didn't go in the transfer portal, but they can stay at Nebraska as a student and keep all of their funding and their stipends. So Malcolm uh, didn't surprise me. Androff did. Yeah. Uh, what I was told on Androff is he was his body never added weight. He was way undersized. Okay. Like, you know, he never got up tied in. Yeah, he for him to get to where he needed to be physically to compete because he wasn't fast. Um, you know, he needed to be a big beast, to be a thumper, like a almost an extra. Not like he, they thought he was gonna be like a vocal, like, yeah, and that wasn't gonna happen. And I think he knew it, is my guess. And look, you stay at Nebraska, and you know, that doesn't mean they're done with football. You can do this one year, two years, stay at Nebraska, you can go try to go play somewhere else down the road. You're you're not like locked into that deal for life, you can leave this deal and go back and play somewhere the red you're right the red flag on malcolm occurred last summer barrett rude when when yeah i was i was up here sean covering barrett rude on the radio and barrett raised a red flag on malcolm when he said you know some guys 
like Shanley, Scott Shanley, made the made a seamless transition from eight-man football to the big, you know, to power five football. He said Malcolm hasn't made it. And you you don't hear that, particularly from a guy like Barrett. Barrett usually doesn't doesn't go that far into evaluation publicly. Um, but that was a huge red flag. To yeah, me. and that, look, when you have 85 scholarship guys, this is just going to happen. This is sure. This Not is everybody life, pans out. This is life in the big city. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're going to have a few things like this happen, and um, it makes total perfect sense. But um, fall camp for Nebraska, players report Sunday. They move in the dorm um, Sunday. Uh, they have fan day Sunday afternoon meetings. Then practice is right away Monday morning. Yeah, there um, you go. We'll be there. So, and we get for some a, of it. We get photos. We'll have a photo gallery at practice, and uh, we'll have plenty of coverage from that opening practice for Nebraska as the Huskers open up fall camp. Uh, but we're back from Indianapolis, ready to roll. Practice starts Monday, Fan Day, Saturday. You get ready, Sean. Make sure you're on HuskerOnline.com. We'll keep you up to date with all of the latest news as it breaks from fall camp. Make sure you like us right here on the YouTube page. Follow, subscribe to us. Also, if you want to catch us on the podcast side, uh, just type Husker online anywhere you can find podcasts for Steve Sipple. I'm Sean Callahan signing off for another edition of Husker Online Headline.